Bridge is an acronym for books recycled to instruct, disciple, guide, and educate. We firmly believe that reading is critical for Christians to grow in their faith, and so we strive to make Bibles and gospel-based Christian books available at very affordable prices. Our purpose is to share the glorious good news of Jesus Christ through written and spoken word. We do this by providing resources and educational opportunities for people to grow in their knowledge of biblical truth so that they are equipped to share that truth with others. You can visit our website at bridgebookstexas.org where you can find our reformed podcast, Bridge Radio, where we bring on Christian authors, apologists, and scholars such as Dr. James White, Dr. John Frame, Joe Beakey, Jeff Durbin, John Sampson, and Tim Trumpert. You can find Bridge Radio on iTunes, Android, Windows, and Google Play or stream via our website. Thank you and enjoy the podcast. From one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth, and he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. Acts 17, verse 26. And welcome back to another episode of Bridge Radio, coming at you from the great state of Texas. Texas. Uh-oh. <laughs> Proclaiming the gospel fearlessly and faithfully. I am your host, as always, Julio Amad Rodriguez. And across from me, we got the man, the myth, legend himself. Mr. A.W. Varela. Oh, man. You, sell it. you gotta hype it, man. Yeah, you yeah. Gotta, you gotta no, be more no, hypey. No, no. That's, a, that's okay. I'm being humble today. Okay. No. All, right. All right. And to the right of me, we got Mr. Birthday Boy. Oh, that's oh, right. Uh-oh. That's Mr. right. Mr. Steve Dan Hardtalk, the boss of this whole shebang here. What's going on, y'all? How do you feel? How do you feel? Tell me how you feel. Yeah. I feel another year older. <laughs> Alrighty, guys. Well, today, as always, we got a really good uh, podcast for you. Today's topic is going to be the Bible and world history, putting scripture into a global context. We got a first time guest, uh, a fantastic friend of, of Abe Varilla here. And, yeah, absolutely. Uh, he's been telling me about him, and uh, I've been skimming through the book that we're going to really dive into yeah. today. And uh, it's just great. If you're a new listener, please subscribe uh, to us. We are on iTunes, Android, Windows, Google Play. We're currently developing an app uh but yeah we have a lot of podcasts for you we have actually 48 podcasts on different topics we've had the world's best scholars apologists uh theologians come on such as uh, john frame dr james white uh, joel beakey rosaria butterfield and, and more and we just encourage you to go check check out uh those podcasts uh, on topics of everything from eschatology christian living um if you want to go visit our website you could visit us at www.bridgebookstexas.org uh hit our uh about or giving tab and uh, you can find more about this uh, ministry we are uh, completely dedicated to discipling and equipping the saints and uh, proclaiming the gospel not only in our community but out to the nations and uh, and uh, we are a Christian reformed bookstore and coffee shop here out of the great state of Texas and uh, we just uh, want to uh, welcome everyone to come check us out but uh, hey Today we got a good podcast, so let's let's dive in, yeah? Yeah, this is going to be fun, it. right? Yeah, we're uh, switching it up here. I like it. So our guest uh, today, he serves as the president of To Every Tribe, and he's the director of Center for Pi- Pioneer Church Planting. His current role is to oversee the recruiting, 
training and sending of missionary teams to plant churches among the unreached. He is the author of uh, the book that we're going to be discussing discussing today, The Bible in World History, Putting Scripture in a Global Context, uh, and also the illustrated guide to Bible battles. I think we're going to have him back on to talk about that yeah, one, right? Yeah, we, yeah, that, yeah. That's going to be fun. And several volumes of the layman's Bible commentary. He has a bachelor's in ministry, a master's in theology, and he got his, uh, or he has a doctorate in biblical studies. He is married to his wife, Heather, and they are blessed with four wonderful children, ages 16 to 23. And uh, as always, it's an honor and privilege to have on for the first time Dr. Steve Leston. How's it going, my brother? Uh, it's going great. I appreciate you guys uh, giving me the opportunity to be on here and and I do enjoy your podcast, and would highly recommend people downloading it and getting it on their uh, in their app play, because uh, it is really I I have a about a forty minute commute to work, and okay. I enjoy your podcast. That's one of the that's ways great. I spend my time. Oh man, that's Thanks. a great endorsement. We appreciate that. Yeah, that that's awesome. So how how, how did you and Abe connect? Uh, at church, actually, yeah. we. Uh, uh, when we started attending the church, uh, Abe was there, one of the first guys to greet me when I walk in, and big smile on his face, and yep. big handshake, and <laughs> and uh, as always. And then uh, there was a church event, and we stood outside and talked. We were doing this outreach event in one of the neighborhoods, and we had a good chance to connect. And yeah, we found so, yeah. we found we found out we we're from the same region, and that's uh, the Chicago area. Okay, so exactly. So that's how we really connected, and we we're both Bear fans. So Bear that, friends. Be, we're Bear. We're Bear. We're Bear friends. Bear friends. <laughs> <laughs> Chicago Bear friends. That's awesome. That's great. That's great. So, um, Abe, uh, well, Doctor uh, uh, Steve Leston and Abe. Uh, just shared with me and Steve a pretty uh, exclusive and funny story, um, and and you know what? I'm just going to leave it at that. And I'm going to have uh, Dr. Steve Lesson kind of kind of take the wheel here because I think this is a story that our listeners uh, should know about and it'd give a good chuckle and I'll a good laugh. It. So, oh, it's awesome! It's great. So go, As, especially that we the person that we're talking about here is the ministry just loves. Yes. Man. Oh, I mean, absolutely. Like, yeah. So yeah. So yeah, Steve, why don't you go ahead and just tell us the story? We we didn't we didn't know. Drum roll. Yeah, drum roll. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, this story, we, to understand the story, we got to get into the context. So it's the mid-1980s. I'm a young man, just starting to get involved with, uh, with studying scripture and studying theology, and it was all new to me, all new. And one of the, the guys that influenced my life greatly was R.C. Sproul, discovered him on the radio. So they got his, his radio show going. And uh, I turn it on one day. I'm like, I've never heard teaching like this before. I mean, you know, probably the same story as everybody else. You know, just radically transforms your life when you're. And I, I'm listening to this, but the key is it's the 1980s, so we have no internet. I don't own any of his books. I don't know what R.C. Sproul looks like. All I hear is this voice on the radio, <laughs> and uh, and so I heard. Somebody told me as I was talking about Sproul, he said, oh, he's going to be in town. He's going to be at this church over here doing a pastor's conference. I'm like, oh, I want to go. And they said, well, you're not a pastor. You can't go. And I thought, well, I could sneak in. <laughs> right? I mean, why not? I can sneak in. And uh, and they're pastors, right? So they have to forgive, right? So, uh, so I show up to the church. I walk in. There's all these pastors there. And there's this guy sitting in the front row by himself. And I'm thinking, I'll go sit by him. No one's talking to him. So I go up to the front, and of course, the guy in the front row is R.C. Sproul. <laughs> and, uh, and I sit down next to him, 
And I'm like, hi. And he's like, hi. And I said, hey, you ever heard R.C. Preach, preach before? <laughs> and he said, yeah, I have. And I said, yeah, he's pretty good. And he's like, yeah, I've heard that. And uh, and I said, how, how many times have you ever heard him speak? And he's like, hi. Uh, and it's kind of funny because he's like, well, uh, uh, he's like, he's counting. And he's like, you know, yeah, every time. Every time he has spoken, I've been there. And I'm like, wow, man, that's great. And so I start talking about Sproul and how great he is. And he's just smiling saying, I agree with you. I agree with you. You know, just. Yeah. And, uh, You're and just propping point, him up, huh? Just making him feel yeah. good. He's like, yeah. <laughs> he's just setting the table, right? Just to get me, right? So, <laughs> so then I, uh, I'm, I'm getting all animated and I knock his Bible on the ground and papers go everywhere. And, and then we like hit heads trying to pick it up. And, and, uh, it was so weird and then so then the mc comes up for the event and he's talking and then they sing the songs you know the, the the worship songs and then uh then the guy gets up and introduces rc and he and he stands up and my face went red I mean, <laughs> i'm like that was ours and he turns around points me points at me right in the face gives me a thumbs up and uh, gives me a huge smile Dang. and uh Man, I was just like shaking inside, like I'm such a dummy, you know. And, uh, and he, uh, afterwards, I went. I was like, I'm so sorry. I do who you were. He's like, Are you kidding me? He's like, You made my week. No, you made my month. No, you made my year. No, you made my life. <laughs> That's real, awesome. Real, real kind about it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, good. A good moment, you know. With the internet now, you just know what everybody looks like. But right. But back then, you you know, you had no idea. That's a great RC story. Yeah, I wonder if he mentioned you in any of his uh, just uh, speaking gigs back in the day. Yeah, you know? there you was know, this there I, was this young guy back in the day. You know did. what I look like? <laughs> I, I had run into him one other time at an at, a, at an event uh, when I was a pastor, and uh, and I went up to shake his hand, and he kind of looked at me, mm-hmm. and he's like, "You look familiar. Have we met?" And I said, well, do you remember at this event? And then he laughed and gave me a hug. And, oh. and uh, you know, so. Very very gracious man, I, I assume. From from all yeah. the people at Ligonier that have spoken about him, I mean, he's just, uh, it sounds like he was just an awesome, awesome character. And uh, he's yeah. now with the Lord, so. Yeah. Yeah, so let's go ahead and uh, and dive into to the book for today. Uh, for our listeners, we're going to be uh, discussing the Bible and world history, putting scripture into a global context. And uh, this book was authored by uh, our guest today, Dr. Steve Leston. And, uh, and I just want to start off uh, with the question, what is the Bible and world history about? It is a book that really is intended to do two things. First, it's, it's just about putting the Bible in the context of the history, the global history of the world. And so as the point of the book is it's it's showing you what was going on in the world as the events of the Bible are unfolding. Mm-hmm. So it starts in Genesis, goes all the way to 300 AD, and then tells the story of the Bible, but also periods where what was going on in other periods of the world, other places in the world, and then at times, showing how those events intersect Hmm. and and so it paints a picture for you to to recognize that god is you know the god of all history not just this bible history um but but there's a secondary really reason uh i would say secondary point behind this book which is it's setting forth this idea that since god is the god of all history 
that history itself isn't going to make sense until you understand the Bible. Mm-hmm. And so it's in the Bible that we get the interpretation of the creator of the world. We get the interpretation of, of how he views the world, how he made the world, how he's interacting with the world, mm-hmm. what he's doing with history, how history is moving towards his appointed ends. And so, therefore, you can't set the Bible aside and just say, well, I got kind of Bible over here, and then I got what's going on in the world over here. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to necessarily like read the newspaper and then read my Bible, like some people do, right? Mm-hmm. So we don't want to do that. And then get all freaked out, like, oh, no, look, computers are made. Jesus must be coming back Thursday. <laughs> and, you know, we don't, we don't want to do that. But what we want to do is say, I want to read the scriptures and let it interpret God, creation, history, and it gives me a lens to understand this world. Mm. And so so the book is intended to kind of first be, in one sense, a, a, a history book. But in, in the other sense, it's it's taking the lens of Scripture. And through that lens, I'm looking at, at how history unfolded. Mm. And I begin to see that God is in control and that Jesus is the ruler of the world. Mm. And uh, and so th- that's kind of the twofold purposes behind the book. Yeah. That's great. I that's what I one of the things that I really appreciate about the book is that uh, it really reflects the fact that Christianity is an historical faith. You know, um, history really is, in a sense, in a reality, it's his story. You know, it's God's yep. story, and it's him working out all of history, all the events uh, from the beginning. You know, according to his uh, his ends and uh, to accomplish his purposes, and so. I, I think that's one of the really cool things about that uh, book and about Christianity because you know it is it's uh, we we see God in history in a very real way throughout uh, you know all of the events and culminating with Jesus Christ you know God in the flesh coming to earth living among us you know and uh, mm-hmm. so it's not this gnostic you know hyper spirituality you know you got to get into this uh mindset to understand the divinity but it's really you know god working in in history uh among mankind to accomplish his purposes so i think that's really the cool thing about this book is is that it really Mm -hmm. focuses on that right thanks yeah and that's really kind of one of the key pieces of it that this is god's world Mm -hmm. and and that christianity isn't a religion invented by man to engage god right hmm. it, it, it is right. it is god revealing himself in christ and god showing he's the ruler of this world yeah amen and that that we we recognize that when we are engaged with god through christ we are absolutely absorbed into the one who's controlling history who rules history and it, you know it's not a christianity is not a subset of the world right right it's it's the interpretation of the world yeah amen correct correct and, and in the inter in the introduction of your book you wrote only a christian view of history truly addresses the issues that drive mankind and thus only a christian worldview can give us what we need to understand the world around us um can you flesh that out for for our listeners mm-hmm. yeah yeah i mean that's and, I, and I'll, I'll say that was really the central driving motive behind writing the book. Okay. And 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 because what that that point there, um, just to kind of illustrate it, I grew up in a in a church that didn't necessarily teach a lot of the Bible. Okay. The Bible was there, but it taught a framework. It had a religious framework to it. And and I grew up just being shaped by this religious framework. 
but not by scripture. And so what that taught me was that scripture is just a book with advice kind of hanging over here on the side. Mm -hmm. But then you have the real world Hmm. and real history. (laughs) Right. Well, you know, and then as the events of the world unfold, you know, when I was a young guy, it was communism. You know, are the Russians going to take us over and these kinds of big fears that everybody had and nuclear war and, and all of this uh, that really terrified people. And, and like anybody, I was caught up in a lot of that emotion and drama because I did not understand that that God is bigger than this world. Hmm. I, I did not see that. God was in the world. He was, he was in one sense kind of imminent. He was there, but he was not transcendent. Hmm. He, wasn't, he wasn't bigger than the world. And, and the world in one sense was bigger than God. Hmm. And, and so... One of the things that really hit me in life was this realization, you know, as as Psalm 2 says, you know, begins, why is there war? Well, there's war because everybody's fighting against the king that God put over the world. Mm -hmm. And then you stop and say, wait, what does that mean? Well, they're all fighting each other because they want to have ultimate rule. Everybody wants to rule the world. But God has appointed his king over Zion. Mm -hmm. And kings of the earth, you better kiss him Mm -hmm. uh, less he smite you in his wrath Hmm. and and that psalm suddenly hits you to recognize the lord is in heaven laughing he's not afraid it's his world Mm -hmm. these are these are kids fighting in the back seat of a car right this isn't this this isn't this thing that you know this fearful thing so when I recognize the role of Psalm 2 in understanding history, I realize it's only a Christian worldview that helps me understand this world. Mm-hmm. It, it, it helped me put in perspective war, put in perspective right. injustice, put in perspective, you know, whatever trials and struggles people have, mm-hmm. put in perspective abuse. What is God going to do about it? How is he reconciling this? It puts in perspective the meaninglessness of life because... The scriptures teach us that God removed the meaning. Right? Romans 8, 20 and 21. Mm-hmm. He's subject to the world of futility, meaninglessness. So, yeah, that's why you could have all the money in the world and still be unhappy. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, we it, see that in Hollywood every day. Don't yeah. We? Yeah. So the Bible is interpreting God and also explaining to me depravity mm-hmm. and the impact of depravity from a government level down to a personal level. Yep. And I wanted people to see God that way mm-hmm. and to get a – how would a, a distinctively Christian worldview look at history? And then what kind of hope does that bring to us? Right. And to me, it brings a boatload of hope. Amen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is, is there examples that you can just share with us uh, from your book um, that we can just kind of get a little specific about things that are going on in, in history uh, compared to – to where we're reading in the Bible. Yeah, like one of the things that that really amazed me in, in studying Scripture and and having been a preacher for many years, always trying to bring historic you know, the, the text of Scripture in its historical context was seeing the events of history and how God shaped them to actually carry out His purposes. So, so one case in point is Herod. Now we all know Herod the Great, right? Mm-hmm. He was the paranoid leader when Jesus was born and. Right. killed all the, the young kids and mm-hmm. well prior to jesus being born when herod was appointed the ruler over galilee um he had several layers of enemies and one particular layer of enemies that he had was in his own family 
um, he married a, a Jewish woman mm-hmm. who was actually of the line of of, of Maccabeus, and uh, and so she actually probably had some kind of in her bloodline some kind of rightful heir, rightful uh, claim to be the ruler of Galilee. At least Herod felt that way, and so he was very paranoid about her. Mm-hmm. He was super paranoid, and uh, she had really demanded that her brother become the high priest over Israel, and so he did appoint his brother-in-law to be the high priest, and this brother-in-law nailed it man everybody was loving him he's running great feasts he's getting all these kind of high marks among the jews herod got real paranoid and uh and because he thought oh this guy's gonna take my throne away from me so he uh invited his brother-in-law over to his house to go swimming and lo and behold his brother-in-law dies Hmm. and of course herod said hey he drowned i don't know what happened but of course herod killed him (laughs) and uh herod Herod's mother-in-law knew that herod had killed him and and so she just hated herod and Herod's mother-in-law's best friend was Cleopatra. Hmm. Okay, from Antony and Cleopatra. Hmm. So she shares this with Cleopatra. Cleopatra puts a warrant out for Herod's arrest. Says if Herod ever comes to Egypt or any of his men, they will be executed. Hmm. Wow. That's interesting. Now, this is, then you can read this in historical records. You can read this in the Alexandrian literature. The, the, that Cleopatra puts this warrant out, and and this fuels Herod's paranoia that people are out to get him and, and these kinds of things. So now, you know, you fast forward a few years, the Magi show up and they say, "Hey, who's this one born king of the Jews?" You know, that's a trigger for Herod to get more paranoid. So he <laughs> he's starting to kill all the the uh, the kids. And where does Jesus go? Well, the scriptures say he's going to go to Egypt, hmm. and uh, and and because the scriptures have to be fulfilled that out of Egypt. Mm-hmm. And so, so he goes to Egypt. But one of the things that's amazing is that God knows that 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 His Messiah, His Son, His incarnated One, is going to go to Egypt. Mm-hmm. So, decades before He sets the table, so that there is no way that Herod's men could ever follow Jesus to Egypt to kill him. Yeah, wow. Mm-hmm. That is the one place in the world Jesus is completely safe from Herod. Right. That's so interesting. That's cool. Wow. That is incredible. <laughs> See, God is a God of all history. Yeah. How does he carry out this plan of sending Jesus to Egypt? He does this through Herod's mother-in-law. He does this. He's using Herod's depravity. He is in control of all of these events so that now when when it happens, there's one place Herod is going to I'm not going to look, and that's Egypt. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that allows, and that's how God is setting the table in history. Because God is present and He's working and using history to carry out His eternal purposes. Yeah, mm-hmm. you, you know these two things are not opposed to each other. He's in control of them, and uh, and so that's just one case in point where mm-hmm. you can see these 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 kinds of stories unfold. Wow, that's cool. Right, right. And, and and is there a couple of other ones, or maybe one more you could point us to? I think that that last one was was incredible. That was that was awesome. Yeah, so uh, you know, so let's tie it into the birth of Jesus. We'll just kind of go back, go back to the Magi, and uh, maybe s- some are familiar with this particular component. But if you go back to the Babylonian captivity and how, how atrocious of a moment that was when the Babylonians came in, like, wiping out you know large portion of Israel. And of course, they pull four; they're pulling the young men into Babylon to uh, basically you know brainwash them, make them future leaders, and, and all of this. And and there's four that we read of in the book of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and, uh, and Daniel. Mm-hmm. And these guys, of course, have a huge impact 
right? I mean, like, like these guys have a major impact right at the seat of power. And of course, the one guy who has the biggest seat of impact is Daniel. Mm-hmm. And, and Daniel becomes the overseer of what was later called the Magi. He's the overseer of all of these, the spirit guys, the spirit leaders there in Babylon. Mm-hmm. He's in charge of them. And he, in the book of Daniel, we have incredible pictures of both God's work in, in the divine world fleshing itself out through history, right? Through mm-hmm. the vision of Nebuchadnezzer right. and the, the various nations that are going to come and, and then the time frames of when the Messiah is going to come and the, you know, the actual leading up to this moment. And all of this stuff is taught by Daniel. Mm-hmm. And Daniel oversees these magi. And so what are they doing for between the time of Daniel and the birth of Jesus? They're counting. Mm-hmm. They're looking at the stars. They're looking at the events. They they have scripture there. They're, they're studying all the way back into the book of Numbers and the prophecies of Balaam, mm-hmm. which is what they quote when they speak to Herod. Mm-hmm. They, they, they bring all of that into this moment where they are able to come in and say and affirm this is the king. Wow. And and yet what you have are generations, right, of people from the time of Daniel that are studying his writings and bringing these guys on this long journey from Babylon mm-hmm. to Israel right. to say to bring their gifts. And uh and so it's really amazing when you study then the Babylonian literature of their spirit religions and their and their and their and their soothsayer religion and to see the influence of daniel and the influence of the books that he brought in fascinating wow and yet all of that leads right up to the moment when when jesus gets to be uh uh, announced publicly to the rulers of the world because these guys had a role as what we're called kingmakers that's what they did they would go Mm -hmm. and you know when they if they identified somebody's like the united nations saying we're recognizing you as a country Mm-hmm. These guys are saying, we're recognizing you as a king. So this is the, the formal announcement that the king of the Jews is on earth. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and, but it ties all the way back to Daniel, ties all the way back to this historical moment, and, and, and it really plays out. And if people really want to start kind of growing and studying this, this way, Daniel's a great launching pad mm-hmm. to kind of see how that all plays together. Yeah. Um, can you talk a little bit too about uh, Alexander the Great and how he kind of set the stage in his uh, reign for the uh, the propagation of the gospel and you know the the Hellenization that occurred mm-hmm. at that time, the Pax Romana, mm-hmm. the infrastructure, the things like that? Because I think that's amazing to see how it that is. happened at that time. Mm-hmm. You know, right before um, you know Christ uh, was incarnated in his ministry. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, and that's a really interesting thing about history when you look at the history of governments, how they rule, mm-hmm. and and what they demand of their people. Sure. And, and when you're conquering nations and they have different languages, do you allow the languages to stick? Mm-hmm. Do you force multiple languages? Or this, these are all things that and you can look at different countries that say, hey, here's how this is going to be done. And, but Alexander was completely different from any of the kings that went before him or conquerors that went before him in that he so loved the Greek culture Hmm. and believed that the Greek culture was more than just 
um, literature and more than just a language that, mm-hmm. that there's a whole paradigm mm-hmm. in the Greek culture. There's, mm-hmm. there's a whole way of, of, of engaging education, a whole way of engaging uh, communication. Sure. The, that, that this was all embedded in this. So, of course, he went through and, and brought the Greek culture everywhere he went. Mm-hmm. And in doing that, he created a unified form of communication and a unified basis of travel mm-hmm. and, and commerce. Sure. Because, you know, you know, and I don't want to make this too long or too complicated, but like like right now the EU is struggling with commerce, right? You got some countries that are really rich, you got some countries that are really poor. How do they how are they gonna trade together? What do you, you know, how how's one country that's super poor gonna engage one country that's super rich? How do sure. you try to determine interest rates and all that? Well he figured all that out. Mm-hmm. And and he lays out a way that little countries can engage with big countries. He a centralized communication system, centralized um, understanding of basic terms, mm-hmm. centralized understanding of definitions of basic words. Hmm. He brings all of this to the table. And then the Roman Empire seizes upon it. And they recognize that we can create an empire that is amazing. Sure. And because now we've got unity. You, you, you've got a capacity to trade between countries and all these kinds of things. Now, what that does then is Jesus is as Jesus comes into fray and and, and he and he uh, uh, you know dies rises ascends into heaven and commissions his disciples to go to the nations sure. they can yeah right they're not in in many ways that first century didn't have to cross borders as much mm-hmm. because there's a centralized terms there's centralized words there's 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 a centralized language there's a a common writing script that 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 lays out a basis of understanding there's a road system of course that the romans built upon that was took what alexander done and made it even far better but the cool thing is is that god is setting the table because of one amazing thing when jesus rises from the dead and ascends into heaven and the spirit of god comes upon man he's launching a global movement Mm, yeah so for hundreds of years before that he is building the infrastructure of the world Mm -hmm. to be able to sustain the global mission Mm -hmm. and 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 he has literally prepped the nations to hear right that's cool he's prepared the way and uh and you see god building this so when i look at all these things with with alexander i'm watching god prepare the infrastructure of the world to be able to make a path for those followers of Jesus to make disciples in Judea, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the other parts of the world. Yeah, amen. That's so cool. And it's not coincidental, you know. It's a, no, no, it's not. <laughs> now, and, and just going back to what Steve said, it's not, it's not a coincidence. I, I, I believe it's in the book of Acts where um, Luke writes out that Christ was sent to die at a specific ordained time mm-hmm. that God had instituted. Yep. So it's not just some... Oh, this is what I'm going to send my son, yeah. you know, to to die for the sins of the world. No, it was already ordained in time. And as we're looking through history from a kind of three thousand foot level, you could kind of see how God and His sovereignty is working all things out according to the purpose of His will. And uh, that's mm-hmm. everything from the Magi, from Alexander the Great, and mm-hmm. the things that we're going to be discussing here. Yeah, yeah, that's mm-hmm. pretty cool. It's powerful. Absolutely. Um, Steve, why did you feel it necessary to write this book? You know, growing up, kind of as I said earlier, growing up in this kind of divided world, 
where the Bible kind of just sat as this separate book and then there was quote unquote real history. Uh-huh. Um, it it was not good. It was not a healthy worldview. And and what it did is it, it marginalized God to just giving me advice. Uh-huh. And 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 it and it kind of just left me to try to engage this world on my own and and as I was kind of muddling through life as a young man, just trying to find my way, and, and, and I did believe in Jesus, but I was struggling on all points. I mean, just struggling to know what that meant, struggling to understand what does it mean to be a Christian. I, I couldn't even understand that question, couldn't even answer that question. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was confusing for me because my view of God was so small. Mm-hmm. Um it, it was an amazing moment. I was actually in the military at the time when this happened, when suddenly it hit me. I think we need to know the Bible. Like I had read Psalm 2, and I realized, I think there's something here. And it was at that moment, before I knew the Bible, I thought, everybody needs to understand the Bible. <laughs> That's why I'm here. This is what my purpose in life is. And so I got to learn it so that we could go communicate it to people. And I mean, it was kind of became a driving passion. And uh, and so there was this pull for me because I, I, I didn't want anybody else to have to muddle through life realizing we didn't need to. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, this is it's so pointless. I mean, I'm afraid of things that God's not afraid of. And, 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 and I'm trying to find hope in things that God removed the hope out of. And, and, and I'm trying to find meaning in things where God says, I'm taking meaning away. And, uh, and here I am, you know, uh, uh, you know, as C.S. Lewis said, eating mud pies and, and happy in it. And yet <laughs> I shouldn't be. And so one of the things that drove me was to say, I, I want people to see God. Hmm. And I want them to see scripture. And I want scripture to define the reality for them. I don't want the reality to define scripture anymore. Right. And, uh, and and it and it, so it's been a lifelong thirty five year quest, and so you know I wrote the book in two thousand and ten, and and you know at that point it was probably a thirty some odd year quest of saying I, I want people to get this, mm-hmm. and uh, and so and I, I want them to to see that scripture can define reality and radically change their world. Right, right, yeah. I mean, we're we're Christians who profess that the Bible is inerrant. It's a, uh, it's infallible. Yeah. It's a uh, theonoustos, as uh, First Timothy says, mm-hmm. and uh, and I just one one thing I remember uh, a, a certain uh, Christian figure had said that you know a lot of individuals who are going to seminary today are coming out with a master's in confusion because <laughs> yeah. you know they'll go and they'll start learning history, they'll start learning you know things about theology, and and uh, all of a sudden they start doubting the historical reliability of the Bible. Um, but then you look at scriptures where Jesus is clearly referring to Abraham, he's referring to Adam, he's referring to you know Solomon, Moses. to Moses, yeah. and he's he's referring to all of these individuals who are historical figures. And to keep in mind as a Christian, Jesus Christ is the pillar of our faith, mm-hmm. and everything that he says is truth. And yep. I guess this is, this is going back to exactly what Dr. Steve Lesson is talking about, is we need scripture to define our reality, because yeah. you know this. we look at these documents in the person of Christ, these documents, these scriptures, it's the anustas, we look at the person of, of Christ as being God incarnate, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, just being a consistent Christian and looking yeah. at the at, at scripture uh, in a historical way is 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 
is very crucial. Yeah. Jonah, he mentions Jonah. Oh, I mean, yeah. yeah, he's just going back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I really appreciate about the book is that uh, you know you've got timelines in here that run from creation all the way to uh, AD 100. You know, just showing again mm-hmm. how God has worked throughout history to accomplish His purposes. You know, for His glory. And I, I would just say to anybody, uh, you know, who's listening, uh, just check out this book you know it's it's written in full color you know it's bite bite <laughs> size pieces awesome. yeah it's not it's not this uh huge tome that you're gonna you know sit down and try to wade through it's it's super interesting i mean you can sit down for 10 15 minutes and uh just read a few pages and uh, it will enlighten you so i i highly recommend it one one little i appreciate that one of the things that i want to point out about the book that we worked hard at doing uh, and spent almost as much time writing it as we did picking the pictures. Mm, yeah, oh, yeah, I can tell. Be, one of the things that, that, that I wanted to have on every single page was a picture of what we're talking about. Yeah. Uh, if it's an event, if it's an artifact, um, something that would allow you to actually see this same picture you might see in a, in a textbook somewhere. Sure. You know, secular textbook, but to recognize that this belongs here because it's God's. It's yeah, not, right. This isn't, you, you know, and so we worked really hard at going through the process to illustrate it. And uh, so that as you're reading it, you've got something there to look at that um, will, will you know, in essence, let you engage that uh, on, on a visual level as much as on a, on a mental level as you're reading it. Right, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, one, one thing before we're already coming up on the five, 45 minute mark and we're already landing the plane of the podcast uh, one thing that I that I wanted to ask you was uh, the Tower of, of, of Babel Tower of Babel mm-hmm. um, what what is uh, the historical I guess time frame and also kind of I guess historical evidence and script where, where scripture and, and history intersect with the with the Tower of Babel yeah yeah there, there's a lot to that so I'll give you just one and then people can read the book to get the rest of it. Um, but one, one, one unique piece about that is this is a really fascinating thing. If you go and you look at, uh, you know, what we call quote unquote ancient civilizations, places that, that, that go back to, uh, beyond 1000 years in date. So, so these are, of course today they, they say they're billions of years old, but, but, you know, secular do, but, right. but you go back and you see the Mayan temples, and then you go and you see the temples in, uh, you know, Babylon or what used to be called Ur, so the ancient ruins of Ur. And you see, you can go to almost every major old part of the world where we say there were civilizations, and all of the temples look exactly the same. Yeah. It's very fascinating. And, and there's a unity that exists there of these temples. Now, this is tying a little bit into the flood element of the world breaking up. But there is this very unique component of this idea of a temple worship bringing you, you know, into some kind of element of, of, of authority and power and connection with God. And in essence, you know, devaluing God right. because uh, creation is there to mark his glory. Creation is not there to glorify itself. And, and these, these kind of transcendent temples where people are, are thwarting God, it was you know we have the tower of babel of course uh we've got multiple towers everywhere of similar look that now we don't know what the tower of babel looked like but we definitely see these kind of towers everywhere Mm -hmm. um 
but but one of the now this is where i'm going to tie it in the tower of babel there was a unity of language there was a unity of construction there was a unity of of like the whole world was unified in its communication in its engineering its functioning and you can actually see that across the world wow. so when 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 babel says hey they were unified hmm. they were hmm. they were unified in an engineering scope uh because the whole world prior to babel use the same engineering the same design the same architecture the same tools we see the same exact tools in ur of chaldee that we see in the inca empire wow. exact same tools that's so interesting so <laughs> so the whole world is unified at this moment and then god breaks it up yeah. <laughs> he breaks it up yeah well, and 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 you know and then and then of course he makes one more nation right israel to bless all the rest of the nations mm -hmm. he's going to bring his messiah through him to bless him Anyways, yes. Right. Um, we had the uh, the director and filmmaker for is Genesis History. Um, I know in the film, one thing that they did talk about, and one question that we did ask him was the whole idea of Pangea, and that's when the continents were all together mm -hmm. at one time. Mm -hmm. And uh, I believe, um, and I think he said it on the podcast, that that idea of Pangea came from a creationist who read his Bible and read the the, the Genesis uh, story, and he, he kind of concluded that at one point that these continents must have been together, and then he went out and kind of looked at what when they were first kind of mapping out uh, the oceans and then when they were finally uh, just getting all that information together, and he, he kind of pinpointed that out, and he was laughed at. And then now I think among scientists today, there's kind of this consensus of like, yeah, we, we when you look at some of the continents, they were all at one time together. Hmm. Um, yeah. And, and that, just, that just is kind of just a side note tying into what you're talking about of how civilization at one point was sort of in this unity. And, oh, and oh, yeah, yeah it's, it's funny to see the, the uh, you know, sometimes the secular archaeologists, I saw one, uh, a documentary as he found a tool, the exact same tool was in, was in ancient Ur. And he just looks at it and he goes, wow. That's odd. It's <laughs> like, about all you can say. You know? <laughs> it's a little more than odd. It just is. Uh, it's, it confirms yeah. exactly that the Bible is true. Exactly. What it's saying bears out in real history. Right. We're not. We're not afraid of history. I'm not afraid of somebody digging in the dirt somewhere. Amen. Right. Right. And we keep seeing that as more and more as they dig in the dirt, it just keeps confirming the Bible mm -hmm. is true. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, it was hilarious. We did the podcast last week with. Um, Michael Jones. Michael Jones, and we were talking about did Jesus really exist? exist. <laughs> and and it was it's just the most absurd you know podcast. Well, going in, I, I mean, I, I told uh, uh, Abe across here. I said, "Hey, we're going to be doing a, a podcast on the existence the existence of Jesus." <laughs> and Abe just starts cracking up. He goes, "Really? People really believe that?" And I was <laughs> yeah. like, "Yeah, they yeah. actually do." And there's an actually really good debate. It was our last podcast. Michael Jones, he's a Christian apologist. He debated what they call a mythicist, who he doesn't believe Jesus Christ ever existed, and uh, just the evidence, you know, external. Uh, historical evidence for the existence yeah. of Jesus is just overwhelming. <laughs> yeah, right. not, so yeah, overwhelming. Yeah, it's so overwhelming. So I was just like, really? People believe that? Like, I was, you know, just kind of oblivious to, like, I, right. I, even even people that don't know uh, uh, Jesus know that he, I mean, knew that he was here, you know? Yeah. So, and we just listened to a video of Bart Ehrman. Remember, I just showed <laughs> oh, yeah, it. So I just right. showed it to you and Steve. Yeah, yes, there's a there's a person in this. Uh, I guess he's kind of in this uh, this lecture, and this person asks him a question, <laughs> going, uh, uh, "Yeah, well, to me, I just don't see any any evidence for the existence of Jesus." And he goes, 
yeah, well, well, I do. And then he just goes on this rant. And he just like <laughs> deflates their bubble. And he's like, look, you people who believe in this, uh, you know, it's just a fringe theory. Like, you got, are you kidding me? And at that point, he's directing his, his frustration with the atheist community. And he's like, come on, guys, like, get off of this train. Like, this is ridiculous. Yeah. And just for our listeners, Bart Ehrman is an agnostic. Yeah. You yeah. know, so yeah. he's not an evangelistic well, Christian at all. Yeah. One of the, back in the 60s, the, the big attack that Jesus couldn't have existed is because the Bible references this man, Tiglath Pileser III, and there's no historical record of Tiglath Pileser III, therefore the Bible's a lie, therefore Jesus doesn't exist. <laughs> and, and, and about maybe 10 years after, you know, this was the big push, and then all of a sudden an archaeologist digging around in, in, in Israel, and, and he finds a stone that had the stamp of Tiglath Pileser III on it. They say, hey, look at this. Well, they found a whole city. Well, Tiglath Pileser was such an arrogant man, he stamped his name on every brick. <laughs> and so they found That's thousands awesome. of bricks with Tiglath Pileser III. And and I think today we would just call that a God mic drop. <laughs> you know, like, just wait. You don't think he exists? Just wait a few years. Uh, I'm going to unearth about 20,000 bricks with yeah, right. his name on it. That is so good. That's so good. Oh, man. Well, Dr. Uh, Steve Leston, this was such a pleasure to have you on the program. We definitely want to have you. I, I, I actually want to have him back on the program to talk about more of this historical evidence. I, yeah. I really, um, you know, it, it, it kind of really grows and really gets you excited when you start mm. seeing history and, and scripture intersect. And, it, yeah. and uh, it's just really exciting. Um, but as always, on the end of the program, we always ask our guests to, uh, to share the gospel to our listeners. Mm -hmm. And so we just want to give you that opportunity before we uh, land the plane on this podcast. Absolutely. Well, boy, you know, all this talk about, you know, the world history, one of the things that you see in the world is on a big global scale are, 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 are people warring with each other, kings who, who want more power than what they've been given. And we see millions of people dying in history because of war and pride and power. And, and, and we look at this world and it seems so corrupt. And, and then if we take an honest look at ourselves, we, we realize that that we're not as pure as we think we are, right? We have an image of ourselves, but but really we're just as greedy and prideful and get jealous. And we find that same thing inside of us and we become lesser versions of just the, the big global arrogant people. And, 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 and in reality, nothing in this world satisfies. People are, are looking for hope and meaning in this world. And God has stripped it out. He said he subjected the world to futility for one reason, because life and meaning and hope and purpose comes through Jesus and Jesus alone. It's only in his righteousness that we are forgiven of the things that we don't want anybody to know we've done. Mm -hmm. It's only in Jesus that the shame of our sin is removed. It's only in Jesus that we, we, we see the power of, of, of Satan being crushed and thwarted. And, 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 and it's only in the one that God who appointed to be judge of living in the dead, Jesus, that we recognize that this world is not uh, running amok, but there is a ruler over it. Hmm. And this Jesus who died to pay the penalty and this Jesus who rose to, to satisfy, shows that God was satisfied in that death, hmm. is the one who is the judge and the defense attorney amen yeah. and and if you trust in him he will protect you on the day of judgment and if you run from him uh you will be swept up in the current of his wrath mm -hmm. 
and but but there's good news in Christ, and that good news is all that hope and meaninglessness and 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 sin and discouragement and and depravity can be made brand new because he will take out your heart of flesh and give you his righteousness Amen. and uh and 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 it will and you'll have a new heart that will beat for him forever and that is what i love about scripture it unveils that for me and that's what i love about jesus who who gives us life and hope and peace and forgiveness and uh and purpose and a clarity of vision for the world yeah Amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Lesson. Where can our listeners find you if you want them to find you? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, they can they can just look at our website uh, to every tribe dot org. And uh, and learn about the ministry. They can get in contact with me there and uh, they can see what we do. And uh, and and through that, they can reach out. And where can our listeners find your book, uh, Doctor? Besides Bridge, besides um, Bridge. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, first I would go to Laredo, and uh, there you go. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> but if you're too far away from there, uh, everywhere you can get it in most bookstores. You can get it on Amazon. You can get it on uh, all the Christian distributors. It's 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 um, uh, kind of everywhere. So cool. All righty, all right, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much again, Doctor Leston, and uh, we want you to come back on. Um, for uh, for our next week's podcast, uh, we're gonna have from American Vision, Doctor Joel McDermott. He's gonna be coming on the program and talking a little socialism and communism. <laughs> wow! So we're gonna we're gonna be answering the question: Is this a biblical ideology? And so we'll just leave you in, in suspense until then. But uh, as always, I ask the question: What is your only comfort in life and in death? And it is that. I am not my own, but belong body and soul and life and death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. And we will see you on the next episode. Thank you. Take care, y'all. Later.